0: Good evening and welcome to the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an average Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLivingLocal and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we are going to be covering a wide variety of topics. First up, we'll talk a little bit about some of the leaked or teased uh, reverse retro jerseys across the NHL and whether or not Winnipeg's teaser is particularly promising. Spoiler alert, I have mixed feelings about it, but we'll get into those in just a bit. And then we will continue one of our fun little topics from last episode talking about some of the most broken teams in the NHL. And today's episode will focus a little bit on the Washington Capitals and why I think they present an interesting model for how you should try to be successful consistently, even if the playoff success might not be there at first. Closing us out, I talked a little bit last episode about the PlayStation versus the Xbox, and now that I've had some time to, to get a bit of hands-on action with the PS5, I thought I'd give you my verdict on why I feel this is a console you really should consider, especially if you want to graduate to the next generation. Kicking us off tonight, though, we are going to first take a look at some of these reverse retro NHL jerseys, and one of the first ones that has been leaked is the Colorado Avalanche returning to their Quebec-Nordic roots with a curious design. It's a a white jersey with some of the traditional burgundy Colorado avalanche trim, and then they've also leaked uh, images where on the hem of it, it has those little fleur-de-lises that the Quebec's jerseys used to have. And obviously I feel like this is an interesting tribute. What's kind of funny is I don't know that Colorado has ever really publicly acknowledged its roots in terms of being tied to the Nordiques franchise. I feel like Colorado for the most part has distanced itself from this franchise, especially as it pertains to the early history of that team. Uh, you know, Colorado has forged its own identity over the past couple of decades, but it's really funny that they've chosen now to be the time that they want to maybe go back to some of their earlier roots. Obviously, we don't have the full design yet, but I mean, it, it looks all right. I wouldn't say I'm like super impressed with the design. It looks decent. It's a little bit sparse so far. So we'll see if the fleur-de-lis patterns or or further Quebec Nordiques logos are included elsewhere on the jersey. I would imagine not, barring some kind of crazy surprise. The jersey seems alright, but I'm not that jazzed about it. Uh, You know, the uh, the Dallas Stars are doing a similar thing with their tribute to the Minnesota North Stars. Thus far, we haven't seen a whole lot of it, but I don't think it's going to be that out-of-the-park crazy. It looks pretty much like one of the old North Stars jerseys with the nice green and white and yellow trim. It doesn't look like they're using the full North Stars logo or anything. It looks like they're going to do a little bit more of a modern take. It it vaguely reminds me of their, I guess their Stadium Series jersey from last season. Was that last season? I actually forget now, but either way, it doesn't seem like any of these jerseys are going to be too crazy. They'll be immediately familiar to those fans uh, of of some of these historical franchises and teams. One of the teams that kind of is, is breaking away a little bit from their reverse retro pattern is going to be the Winnipeg Jets, and it looks like from the early teasers that we're going to have a blue gray and white jersey which I don't know how I feel about it to be honest we obviously didn't get a full look at it yet but from what we could see from the teaser it looks like it's going to have a gray main body and I don't really care for gray as part of a whole jersey myself I just feel like as far as gray jerseys go I thought it was fine with Vegas I think Vegas has a really nice home jersey theirs makes a lot of sense having gray as part of the core of Winnipeg's new jersey for me is just a little bit Maybe off-putting, I don't think it's going to be terrible, I just don't think it's going to be one that I have to go out and buy immediately, unless they pull off this design with like a really cool 80s or 90s logo that makes it a can't miss. I'm just not sure that I'm really going to love the idea of having a primarily grey body. As far as like reverse retro jerseys go... You know, obviously a lot of them would have been like blue or white or maybe even some red. So to instead opt for gray as being one of the primary colors is an interesting choice. It's not one that Winnipeg has used before. It might be better than the powder blue aviator jerseys. I hated those jerseys to be honest because they just weren't that exciting. And I felt like there wasn't a whole lot going on with them. Of course, naturally, I say that and I ended up buying one on sale anyways because you kind of have to have one for the collection. And I'll probably get one of these new jerseys too because... Suppose I'm a sucker for anything Winnipeg-related. The jersey uh, from this Reverse Retro series that I'm most excited about, I would probably say is, is New Jersey's Christmas Tree jersey. If you've never seen the Christmas Tree style, it's one that they've actually worn uh, in previous years. I feel like the last time they had it was like somewhere between like 2013 and 2015. I don't 100% recall, but I feel like they did have this one in like the recent Edge 2 style. The Christmas tree jersey is always really cool because it's got a primarily green body with really nice red and white trim, which just looks very classy. It looks very, I wouldn't say vintage, but it's very stylish. It's one of those designs that just doesn't seem to really age poorly at all. New Jersey is kind of fortunate because it's not that many things that they can do with their jersey styles that would end up putting them on the wrong foot. I, I think that they've always had fairly clean looking jerseys. I wouldn't say any of them are that exciting except for the Christmas tree style. For some reason, this one has always caught my eye. I feel like it's it's just flashy enough to be really attractive, but still tasteful. Around the league, we've had a few other leaks, and one of them is Chicago, which looks like it's going to be bringing back a solid black jersey with red shoulders and trim and some white trim as well. This one, not really that impressive. They've had a similar jersey a couple of seasons ago that they used to wear. I think it was like a third jersey, or maybe it was their home jersey. I forget which it was, but it's it's been a style that they've used before. Not really that different from what they've had. On the other hand, the Arizona Coyotes look like they're going to be doing a really funky Kachina jersey again. I'm not sure if it is going to be full Kachina, because they've already had that as a separate style. But this one looks like it's going to have some sort of purple shoulders, which could be really wacky. I've seen some really fun roller hockey jerseys that maybe this is going to look more like, and I feel like if they do that, that'd be a really cool design. Very funky, very unique, and certainly one that would stand out from the rest of the crowd. There haven't been too many full jersey leaks that we've seen, but one that did end up getting leaked today, or actually it was a couple of days ago from Pete Blackburn, is uh, the Boston Bruins jersey, which is going to be solid yellow gold with black trim on the hem and uh, along the arms and sleeves. It looks pretty decent. Reminds me of a similar jersey that Pittsburgh did not that long ago. I-, I think the Bruins gold will look nice on the ice, even if I'm like not that hot to trot for like a solid gold jersey. Generally speaking, I like a little bit more, I, I would say, black from Boston's perspective, but this jersey is fine. It looks decent. It's not too bad. And it being the Bruins means they are not going to have any problem selling these jerseys at all. We are still awaiting the full designs to start leaking or being announced and released, so when the full Jets jersey is released, I'll give you a little bit of an update and my personal thoughts on whether or not it's something to go out and buy or just hold off and save your money a little bit. With that, our jersey talk is complete, and up next, we're going to take a little bit of a look at some of the most broken teams in the NHL, and this time we're going to focus on the Washington Capitals of the past several years. Before we get to that though, I thought I'd talk to you a little bit about breaking down your daily walls. When you wake up every morning, what do you think to yourself? Oh crap, I have a lot to do. I don't have any energy to get things going. When I'm facing those same situations, I turn to Bilko, the healthy all-natural replacement for your favorite energy drink. It packs the same punch as a 5-hour energy with none of the crash. Built Go comes in easy-to-take, 1.5-ounce packages. You can drop one in your briefcase, in your golf bag, in your backpack, or even your pants pocket. Built Go is also the perfect workout gel, fortified with collagen protein, beta-alanine, B3, honey, a kick of caffeine. B6, and B12, so you have energy to power through your workout and day and beyond. When you have walls you need to kick down, Bilco is there for you. You can try it in three delicious flavors, including peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and chocolate mint. To get started, visit Bilco.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at Bilco.com. Let's go. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. Earlier this episode, we talked a little bit about some of the upcoming reverse retro jerseys. And now, sort of on a related note of sort of retro throwbacks, we're going to take a little bit of a look at some of the most broken and overpowered teams in the NHL of the past several seasons. This time, though, we're going to talk specifically about the Washington Capitals. As a Baltimore native who lives near DC and has had plenty of experiences in and around Capital One Center or whatever it's called now, I've come to know the Caps well and I understand their fan base as well too. And it's an interesting mix because... Washington is a team that's always been defined by a lot of regular season success, met with a lot of postseason failure. For one reason or another, this team has constantly ascended to incredible heights, only to collapse spectacularly in either the first or second rounds of the postseason, and most frequently against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, to be honest, I actually don't think any of these are really spectacular collapses, Oftentimes, the Caps lose really close games and often outplay their opponents, but either don't get the bounces or don't get those last few saves that ultimately get them the series win. So, to be honest, I think Washington has actually performed very well for the most part. It's just always been closing that gap and getting over the hump that's been their issue. For the most part, though, I think Washington's approach to how they've built their team tends to be pretty on the money. They started with a a couple of core pieces in guys like Alexander Ovechkin, Nick Backstrom, more recently John Carlson, Braden Holtby before he became a free agent. But there are quite a few underrated pieces that I feel don't get a whole lot of attention, and I would would argue that Dmitry Orlov might be one of the most important that no one really seems to recognize as being Washington's best defender. The Caps have always been built with a lot of overwhelming offensive firepower, and Orlov is no exception in this respect. He's often somebody who's a key catalyst in either zone possession or zone entries, and he's also very capable of shutting down opponents in his own end because he's a very physical defender. Dimitri is a very smart player who seemingly understands where he needs to be at all times, even though he does get burned on counter sometimes, For the most part, though, I think his understanding of how to get into the offensive zone to create good passing and shooting lanes and how to backtrack effectively makes him a really complete two-way defender with some really sharp offensive upside. In a lot of ways, I feel like he epitomizes the best qualities of Washington's defense, which in more recent times has featured a lot of really good two-way puck-moving defenders who can also contribute offensively. Some of those guys are maybe not as good as they used to be, but for the most part... The lineups over the past several seasons have featured pretty strong defenders, mixed with a couple of guys I probably wouldn't be putting out there. You also have to look, though, at the way that they view some of their so-called depth players and some of the guys that they got on the cheap when they looked for talent that was maybe underappreciated and and looking for a new home. And I think TJ Oshie is one of those biggest steals coming from the Blues with a little bit of an underwhelming reputation. Oshi, of course, for many years was a, a front runner for the Blues and somebody who I think St. Louis fans really adored. But it was clear that that relationship was starting to near an end. And Oshi hasn't always put up amazing numbers with the Blues, at least as far as the score sheet is concerned. Once he got to Washington, though, I think his true qualities as a play-driving winger with a really nasty shot started to express themselves in ways that even I was surprised by. Oshi is the rare natural goal scorer who also happens to be a really, really smart attacker and two-way play driver because he's very strong on the puck, he makes great passes, his vision and spatial awareness are top-notch, Anti compliments anyone he plays with pretty well. There are very few exceptions to players he struggles with other than guys like Kuznetsov. Beyond that, though, it's really hard to find fault with the way that Oshie plays, and Washington has invested a lot of resources into identifying guys like these who can help contribute to this roster. They have signed a few of these players to longer-term contracts that maybe most teams might shy away from. In this case, though, I would say that, and, and obviously argue that Oshi has already repaid everything in his contract because he was part of the cup winning team and he was a major contributor all throughout that whole stretch and earlier before then too. I also really enjoy when Washington brings in guys on the cheap like Richard Ponick, Nick Dowd, a lot of these depth players who you can sign for maybe 1-2 to million for a couple of seasons and they actually play pretty well. Are they like top-end depth forwards who constantly score goals? No. Are they guys who can consistently create offense or help you on the PK or just maintaining possession and even strength? Absolutely. When it comes to signing these guys to really affordable deals, Washington is one of the teams that just seems to be able to do it consistently. And they just added another really quality top-four defender in Trevor Van Riemsdyk for almost no money. I know that Washington's postseason record kind of looks a little bit poor in the fact that they've only managed to win one title. But I think the way that Washington tends to think about things, for the most part, is on track with what you need to be a really top-end team. This is a squad that has won a President's Trophy, has now won a Cup in recent times, and continues to be a perennial playoff contender. That they've been able to make the postseason so many times throughout Ovechkin's career is really a testament to the fact that their front office continues to make, for the most part, pretty decent decisions. I think the recent management team has done a much better job than some of the McPhee years, and while there are decisions that have been very much suboptimal, I think for the most part the Caps present a pretty good model of how you build one of the strongest remaining franchises in the league. The Caps, you know, they do model consistency in a way that I don't think many NHL teams do. Even in their crappy years where they have some issue like last season, where defensively they were a little bit of a train wreck and the power play wasn't as strong as it used to be, this was still a team that was capable of making the postseason and making at least a little bit of noise. Will the Caps be great for a long time more? I don't think so. I think that, of course, we're starting to see guys like Ovechkin and Backstrom and the rest of them, you know, definitely slowing down over the next few years. But generally speaking, I think the way that Washington understands this picture and their plans for the longer-term scene I think that they'll do alright. I don't know how they're going to fix it, but I feel like this squad understands that it's not going to be possible to replace some of these guys, especially players like Ovechkin, and that's probably why they brought in Backstrom on such a deal that for most teams would be crazy to sign, especially with Backstrom being in his, I believe his 30s now, but obviously this is a team that believes in rewarding loyalty, and I think they also understand that they've cashed their chips for a cup already. Anything more is just gravy on the mashed potatoes, and I think at some point they might be due for another cup. I don't know if it's going to happen with Ovechkin and tow, but I really hope it does because this team has always been very lovable. I think that they have a lot of talent, and certainly as far as top-end teams go, they've been consistently one of the most entertaining watches in the entire league. We'll see if they can remain this consistent going into the future, but for now, I think we have a really special team to continue watching, and hopefully we can enjoy these last few years of Ovechkin's goal-scoring career. On our next episode, we'll probably take a look at the Carolina Hurricanes, who I feel might be going through some of the same issues that the Caps are, although I think Carolina also has some unique circumstances that maybe hold them back from being really at the upper crust of the most elite squads. They might be broken and overpowered in certain areas, but there's still something missing from this team that I think would separate them from the rest of the pack. Again, though, you'll have to stay tuned for next episode to hear a little bit more about why Carolina might not be there yet. Closing out this show, like I promised earlier, I'll give you some thoughts on why you maybe should give the PS5 a little bit more of a look, especially after I've spent some hands-on time with it. But before then, I thought you should hear a little bit more about Bill Bar's recent relaunch. If you're a long-time listener of this podcast, you know that I definitely enjoy Built Bars. If you've never had one before, it's a protein bar that's more like a candy bar with a dark chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. Of their 12 original flavors, I highly recommend the mint brownie and raspberry flavors, but you really can't go wrong with any of them. I don't know if you could turn down something called peanut butter brownie or toffee almond. Both of those sound delicious and make my mouth water. Like any great company, though, Bilt is definitely not content to rest on its laurels, and it's back in better than ever with a brand new lineup, including six new flavors like Caramel Brownie, Cookies and Cream, Cherry barcia, Lemon Almond Cheesecake, Carrot Cake, and Apple Almond Crisp. If those flavors don't get your heart racing, you might be dead. As delicious as Bilt bars are, they're even better for you, with most of them clocking in at 200 calories or less, around 5 grams of net carbs, and between 15-19 to 19 grams of protein. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high in fiber, so they're perfect for keto diets as well as weight loss or weight maintenance programs. Getting started with Built Bar is super easy. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code lockdown for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Welcome back to this edition of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast. Earlier in the episode, we talked a lot about some hockey jerseys that are upcoming. We also talked about why the Washington Capitals present a very interesting model of what makes an overpowered team in the NHL, even if the playoff success might not be there. I think we all know that being successful in the regular season is is difficult to really match in the postseason because the playoffs are a totally different ball game when it comes to fortunes in the seven game series. You can play well and still lose, which is a very frustrating outcome. One thing though that you can play and won't lose at is The PlayStation 5. This is a console that I've now spent a couple of hours with, and after I gave it some thought, I really feel like this is a, a console that I heartily recommend for a couple of reasons. For one thing, I think that the DualSense controller that everyone's been raving about is even cooler than the description. It's a really interesting haptic feedback controller that can do things like have locational vibration depending on where you're stepping, you know, whether you're stepping onto sand or ice or water. It has different vibration settings to give it a little bit of a different feel for each setting, and it also has these neat pressure-sensitive triggers that can adjust the resistance setting so that you can essentially feel like you're pulling back on an arrow or even a weapon trigger if you're playing something like Call of Duty. One of the more interesting subtle uses was there was like an Astro's Playground tech demo where you would be walking along and then it would start raining and as the rain picked up intensity, the little pitter-patters throughout the haptic feedback area started to intensify as the rain intensified too. As far as what the experience is like firing the console up, it's very clean, the UI is not that cluttered, it is mostly tile-based, so you do need to get used to that if you're not really uh, comfortable with, like, smartphone tech or anything. In-game, for the most part, it's been very smooth sailing. You can get a couple of free games at launch when you subscribe with PlayStation Plus, so it's not free-free, but it does have, like, an entire library of uh, PS4 games that I think are all pretty good choices. I haven't played Days Gone on the PS4, but I finally got a chance to download it and play it on PS5, and it runs at a really nice and smooth 60 frames per second at 1080p, and I have to say that even on 1080, the game still looks great. It runs great, it looks pretty great, and the same can be said for Ghost of Tsushima, which is, of course, one of the last big swan songs of the PS4. Ghost of Tsushima running at 60 frames on the PS5 is a wondrous sight to behold. The only thing that I don't really care for with this console right now is just that it doesn't have natural 1440p support, which, if you're like me and you have, like, a 1440p monitor that you want to hook your PS5 up to, it is a little bit annoying. Sony has said that this is not something that they can't add in the future, it's just that they don't have it right now because there must be, like, some sort of software configuration on some of these games that doesn't support it yet. It will, however, render and run natively at 4K, so if you hook it up to your 4K TV, you've got no issues there. You'll also want to be sure that the games that you want to play on PS5 from the PS4 generation are in fact backwards compatible. A very select few haven't always worked out, but... Again, I think Sony is still working out some of the backwards compatibility kinks. For the most part, in my early testing, it hasn't been an issue, but I haven't tried any of the games that people have had issues with. I'm sure we'll know more in the coming months, but as it is right now, I feel like the PS5 is a really cool glimpse at what the future of console gaming can hold. This is probably the most excited I've been about using a console in some time, and I I, I almost liken it back to firing up the original Xbox or the Dreamcast for the first time. That is how cool the overall experience feels, even if the visual upgrades between this generation and last generation might not strike people immediately as that significant. Once you get a feel for the DualSense controller and what it can do, you'll then understand why this console is so hyped, in my opinion, and why I feel like it really does live up to that hype. For tonight, though, that's going to do it for this episode. Hopefully, you have a little bit better of an idea and an understanding of whether or not the PS5 is for you. I think you would love it, but obviously everyone has different tastes, and if you choose the Xbox... More power to you. I hope you love that console too. With that though, we're going to be closing out tonight's show with a quick announcement. If you are an NBA fan, be sure to tune into the Locked On NBA mock draft, which started earlier this week on Wednesday and continues through next Tuesday. Each episode will feature six draft picks as well as several guests like John Hollinger, Jeremy Wu, and Chad Ford. So be sure to tune into Locked On NBA every day for the coolest mock draft in the biz. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night and go jets go.